Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alan! To work! I hope you're not going to disappoint me. I sincerely hope not. What we want is something revolutionary. Dear me, dear me. Well, tell me, uh, have you thought about... Paul to hope. Paul to hope. Yes, and what do you do? And don't worry, you'll find them quite comfortable. And perhaps the time has come for you to start revising your opinions. Excellent! Where are they taking us? Mm-hmm. Now pay attention, please. Here comes the drums! Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open an Ongoing Quest to Watch All of Doctor Who, every single story in the television canon, in completely random order. My name's Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal, and as you may know, Chris and I are a couple of guys couple of journalists who have written uh, and commented about Doctor Who for, uh, shall we say, several years. Uh, but this particular <laughs> podcast journey, this show, Pull to Open, is about to hit a milestone. We have visited no less than 98 different Doctor Who stories since we began this journey. And we are about to do today number 99. Wow. Yeah. But before that, before we get to that, <laughs> uh, Chris, can you give us a quick rundown on how we got here? Yes. Well, 10 years ago, a guy named Paris stole a woman named Helen and we laid siege to a city. No, wait, sorry. Oh, wrong. Hold on. Wrong rundown. <laughs> hold on. No, previously on Pull to Open, long, long ago in the mists of time, first there was the Codex. Uh, and the Codex contained the list of all Doctor Who stories. And, and lo, the Codex had made some curious decisions. Uh, and the Codex was occasionally wrong uh, and, and missed a Doctor My Who goodness. story. And that the capricious god of the randomizer came along and it pointed out all our flaws in the Codex. And it said, hey, why have you uh, taken uh, Pyramid at the End of the World and Lie of the Land uh, and separated them from, from their predecessor? And why have, why have you, uh, oh, I see you've missed out Destiny of the Daleks. Let's take you to Destiny of the Daleks. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's done something similar <laughs> this week. A lot, we'll lot of pull to open in jokes there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's that one's for the long time listeners. Uh, if you know, you have, know. We have done a lot of Hartnell, a lot of William Hartnell. We may be crossing the line where Hartnell is the randomizer's favorite doctor. It used to be Capaldi, right? And and now now it appears to be Hartnell. So. What's going on with that? We've we've done a lot of straight historicals. Uh, we did the Time Meddler. Uh, quite that recently. was very recent. 
Very recently, we did the Time Meddler. Uh, even more recently, we did the Aztecs. The randomizer threw those up as uh, oppositional to one another, which they kind of are. Uh, we've also done bit. lots of uh, season three of Hartnell, um, which is a mostly missing season. We did the Celestial Toymaker at mm. the start of this year, which may become relevant uh, in the, uh, the se- these 60th anniversary days. Well, also- it's no longer May. It's, <laughs> it, it will become relevant. It will. It's been Most confirmed. Definitely <laughs> confirmed to become relevant. Uh, and we've also done The Gunfighters by one Donald Cotton. Uh, and, about to become uh, relevant. Yes, about to become relevant. Three stories ago, we rocketed forward from, from Hartnell. I believe we were just at the... Uh, Aztecs, before we went there, we rocketed forward and had a delivery from Kablam! Hmm. Uh, two stories ago, we, we had a special delivery of wonderful nonsense from a cactus named Meglots! And last time, we rocketed back again, one doctor to Pertwee, uh, and season seven, the famous season seven, we nearly have a bingo, because we have now done the Ambassadors of Death, and, you know, Pete, it's fair to say the randomizer has not been easy on us lately, right? I mean, a seven-part story that's trying to be as adults and, and do as many different things as the ambassadors of death where's it going to take us next is it going to give us a nice rest no a nice a nice uh tic tac of a new who episode that only <laughs> know, only takes right? us 40 minutes to get through or something you'd, could it you'd be think, you'd think uh but no uh it's being very difficult it's taking us t- back to hartnell Season three, uh, to an entirely missing story, to a historical that required that I spend about the last seven days in the history corner, uh, from where (laughs) I'm going to update you. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It is time to go back to ancient Troy for the Mythmakers. That's right. Our 99th story is the Mythmakers. Yes. And and what an auspicious story to do for our 99th. And and Pete, just to uh, close the loop on the uh, the codex, um, do you realize what it's done? Uh, it, it has. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> Tell me. It has flown us uh, because what what happened in in 1965? Uh, they screened an episode called Mission to the Unknown, uh, and right. then. And then there was the four parts of the Mythmakers. And then there was the 12 parts of the Daleks Master Plan. Mm. And what we have done, what the randomizers have done, is flown our TARDIS directly between the two, between uh, Mission to the Unknown and <laughs> the Daleks Master Plan, thus making a mockery of the fact that we have combined. Right. Mission to the Unknown and the Daleks Master. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's no in-between in the Codex. Yes. It's just kind of right before. But yes, it, it, it Mission to the Unknown was broadcast right before this. And it's funny, because this uh, this serial opens up with the sprained ankle or whatever, like or hurt, yes. like Vicky's Hurt, which comes from Galaxy 4. Yes. So they were relying on people to remember like two weeks before, which yes. I guess was you know, what you did, because that's how <laughs> TV was back in, well, forever, until like the age of on-demand and streaming, but... 
but they also um, had a lot of complaints. We'll get into it. They had a lot of complaints about what the hell happened last week. Like the doctor wasn't in it. And then right. we heard about this plan of the Daleks taking over the universe. And now we're in ancient Troy. What's going on? So yeah, was, season three yeah. needed some instructions and I got to say, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get too far into this, but it definitely needed some instructions on our end too, because <laughs> we didn't really coordinate as much last week about how we were going to watch this. Yeah. So before we get to the commentary, I wanted to ask you, what did you end up doing to watch the missing episode of the myth makers? I didn't. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't what did watch you do? It. No, I, I listened the to the, the excellent um, uh, version with uh, Peter Perves, uh, who plays Stephen, doing the linking narration. Ah, uh, I, I bought that on Audible, uh, listened to it, thoroughly enjoyed it, and, hmm. and enjoyed it so much uh, that I, well, first of all, I went to the Target novelization. Yeah, uh, Okay. Famously, one of the better ones, written by Donald Cotton, who, by the way, we have a Donald Cotton bingo, uh, because he also did the Gunfighters, and and True. this is it. These, these are his two contributions. Um, and uh, so we got the bingo. We've also got a bingo, by the way, on the use of the word orgy in Doctor Who. Oh uh, wow! Wait, hold on. Let's hey. uh, we'll get to that. Yes, <laughs> we'll we, I think. That. Lots of eyebrows are raised uh, on two coasts between you and me when when that line came out. Well, that's great. I'm glad you got that audio version. Mm -hmm. I got to check that out. So I had a really good experience with the uh, Loose Cannon videos on Mm -hmm. Daily Motion the last time we had a a whole missing episode, which I believe was Marco Polo. Um, I I just thought it was a really great experience, really good edit. So they do a a good job of getting telesnaps and doing different angles doing zooms and sort of cueing it with the dialogue as well as using whatever existing footage exists and so for the myth makers there's very few it's probably i don't know half dozen maybe a few more of of actual clips but they're very short um and they but they mixed all of them in on those key scenes and uh again i i think i had a pretty good experience of of getting the story um that way so that's what i want you know i i really i i did want to watch it because i was really interested to see what they did with it but what happened is i went down a rabbit hole i went down a homeric rabbit hole i i went hmm. on an odyssey i feel like i've been away for 10 years <laughs> and i i know way more about the iliad and about homer and about the whole legends of uh you know the, the greek myths and the history of it did you know by the way the randomizer is uh sponsored by a publishing company um oh. <laughs> because <laughs> this week <laughs> this very week that we're recording this uh possibly the, the buzziest translate new translation of the iliad just came out get out uh, scholar named emily wilson she did uh she was the first female translator of the odyssey uh, she did that a few years ago. That became a bestseller. It was a big hit. Uh, and then she turned her attention to the Iliad. That literally just came out as we were watching The Myth Makers this week, my friend. The, wow. the randomizer has gotten its own sponsorship, and we're not getting in on the deal. Uh, wow, well, we need, <laughs> we need a sales team. We've got to get them up. We've got an affiliate link in the notes, but we're not doing that today. Um, but anyway, before we get too far into chatting about The Myth Makers, uh, I wanted to tell everyone, hey, if you're here just for that commentary, you can, of course, check your show notes 
You might not find a link to a novel, but you will find a time code for the exact time we begin our commentary, which of course will begin with TLDW, where one of us, I have no idea who this week, will be summarizing the entire plot of this Doctor Who story. And then we're going to have lots and lots to say about it. Uh, so just check the show notes. If you're on YouTube, scroll down. It's on the video notes. And you'll find that code pretty prominent and uh, you can fast forward, but you're not going to want to do that. I guarantee it because we have lots to talk about here right away. We have an all new emoji challenge. We have some results from you guys, the listeners on what y'all thought of Megalos in poll to open. And we have a YouTube comment of the week. You should say that as well. If you were listening last week, (laughs) we have to. Oh yeah, we have an update. (laughs) Yep. We have a sequel to the Homoji Challenge from last week, which left everyone stumped, <laughs> except for uh, maybe a, a few of our fans on YouTube who uh, uh, who are astute. Um, so fans. it's all coming up right here in the Pull to Open Pulse Loop. Of course, fetch it, Damon. Yes, here we are in the Pulse Loop, formerly the Feedback Loop, um, but now, now we're pulsing. And uh, let me send out this first pulse. Uh, and tell you, listeners, that one of the best ways, well, the best way to show support for Pull to Open is to make a sacrifice to your household god uh, on on the altar in which you've placed all your Pull to Open artifacts. Um, but the second best way to show support is to leave a review in the podcast app that you're using, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, the five-star reviews really help surface this podcast to other fans of Doctor Who. And speaking of other fans of the Doctor Who, the third best way to support this podcast, after you've done your sacrifice, after you've given us, uh, oh, I don't know, let's say a favorable five-star rating uh, as Zeus would approve of uh, in, in Apple Podcasts, the third best way is to share the podcast with a friend and uh, invite them to the human sacrifice. Don't let them know that they're on the menu. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, share it with a friend, uh, share it with a random friend, go randomly into your address book and send a random episode, uh, of Pull to Open. You know that we use random.org, so use that, uh, at the end of the show, once you've done this, once you've, once you've voted, if you're on Spotify, uh, send it along, share it with others. That's right. All you fans out there, we know you're fans, especially you true fans who are all over last week's Humoji Challenge, because that's <laughs> what it's time for, y'all. A little update there and a new one. So let's officially begin the Humoji Challenge. Okay. All right. So <laughs> follow up. Last week, <laughs> we did not have the answer key for the Humoji Challenge. So we both ended up being contestants for a very long Humoji Challenge, which ended <laughs> up being t- 20 emojis, come to think of it. It was, uh, yeah, so there was a planet, uh, the world, and then an X. The Earth, that. specifically the Earth. Not just the Earth. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And we had we had nine of those in a row, each with a red X, and then the 10th one, Another Earth had a check mark, and if I just mm. said the word tenth, I think <laughs> the tenth planet that might have been what gave it away. Uh, it right? Okay, all right. So it was the confusion was that they were all Earth, and we were thinking New Earth. Uh, I was thinking uh, World Enough and Time at one point. Uh, Stolen Earth, I think, was my first guess. Mm-hmm. We were zeroing in. And I, was, I was thinking end of the world. And yeah. it, like basically, for some reason, 
I had some strange mental block. The only words I filtered out of the scene, the world again and again, were world and earth. I did not think planet. Yep. If we had thought planet, I think a quick search of the codex would have, ah, boom. Yes. But, it's so obvious when you look back on it. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, but we did it live. You. That's you know. That's see. Let's pull to open. We keep we it real it here. Live. Was was that uh, who was who was that emoji challenge from? That particular emoji challenge. That was yeah. from none other than the human palindrome, the human. Mr. Mark Cockrum. Mark Cockrum, my goodness, generously left it for us when his, with his uh, five star review. Thank you, Mark. Wow, I, I feel like he he left it like a Trojan horse. Uh, <laughs> it's the thing that undoes the podcast no exactly. it could never happen and a whole uh, bunch of greeks came out of that emoji challenge uh or a whole bunch of planets and uh swarmed over also open yeah so, there you go right. so it's that's all leading up of course to this week's emoji challenge oh my god i have to do this again and it's from someone uh one of our fans named uh pat peachel mm. interesting name, name. Weird. Yeah. Who that have, have, you, have you checked in with Pat Peachel on, on what the answer to this? I have. Be? Okay. Go. Pat Peachel has has given us uh, the answer on this one. So, yes, right. we, we keep it very real here on Pulter Open. Um, <laughs> so, uh, everyone yeah. gets uh, Homeric names. Yes. All right, sir. It's time for the main event. Are you ready for this one? I never. But but bring it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Four emojis. Okay. The sun, mm-hmm. full on sun, like the sun, it's glowing yeah. there yep. in the sky. The sun, yeah, that one. All right, not the one with the face on, just the, the sun, not the one with the face. Okay, octopus, okay, Uh-oh. trash bin, okay, so gotta be plunger. Daleks. Yep, the, 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 there it is. is. It Day of the Daleks, it's Day of the Daleks. Hey, there you I, go. I was going for Sunmakers there for a second. Uh, Sunmakers being very much on my mind because that is the other makers. Uh, oh. In, in, after the Myth Makers in the Doctor Who canon. Uh, That's good stuff, yeah. Yeah. That could be yeah. a good one. How would you do oh. Makers as an emoji? Like yeah, hands? Uh, hands hammers, doing something? Yeah. Hammers, well, you know hands. What? I'm going to let... Let the fans figure that out, guys. That's a we're, we're just putting the challenge for that specifically. Yeah. Sunmakers, Mythmakers, show give us some uh, some good stuff. And remember, it doesn't always just have to represent the title. Sometimes it can represent what's going on in the story, like a recent emoji we did. We we're our greatest show in the galaxy. Check it out in the Codex link in the show notes. Yes. Um, but thanks to Pat Peachel for <laughs> sending us that one. That was really yes. great. Uh, and we would love it if if we could get some more folks uh, to contribute, uh, whether you're badly anagrammed or not. Go ahead and uh, send us in some more emoji challenges wherever yeah. you can find us. You can go for it at any of our socials or pull to open 63 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and threads or pull to open on TikTok and Blue Sky or just email us pull to open podcast at gmail dot com. Do the whole thing. That's right. Yeah, combine your review with the Humoji challenge, and it's and it's hella efficient that way. Mm. Um, well, anyway. thanks, thanks, Pat. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, the next one. And don't worry, yeah, me too. Is, is if, if you make it the Sunmakers, don't worry about me remembering uh, because I'm not going to remember this time next week. Yeah, I, you've I'm already like, dragged and dropped most of your memory for this yeah. week's commentary. I realize, That's so right. I'm excited to get to it. But before we do that. 
Folks, we have so much fun bringing this podcast to you. And one of the reasons we're able to make time for all that fun is because of the service we use to record it. And that is Zencaster. I mean, you should have heard us when we were starting out. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, you can because those podcasts are still up. But we were amateurs might be generous. Uh, we were trying to record video calls of Skype or FaceTime. We were using a whole bunch of different software. Plus, we could we could just really never get the audio to sync properly. Um, we did our best, but you can kind of kind of tell on a couple of the early ones. But really, ever since we switched to ZenCaster, it's been a dream. It's like having it's it's really like having a remote control for your TARDIS. It's that convenient. All you do. You create your recording room in the cloud, send the link to your guests, and Zencaster handles the rest. It records studio quality sound and video up to 4K. Plus, it has all the tools you need to host, create, and distribute your podcast. It's all in one place. So whether you have your own podcast, and I know some of you do, or you're thinking about starting one, we would strongly encourage you to check out Zencaster. Set your browser coordinates for Zencaster.com slash pricing. And use our code IPUSH, that's I-P-U-S-H, and you'll get 30% off your first month on any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experience that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It is time to share your story. And remember, the site is Zencaster.com slash pricing, and the code is IPUSH. Wow, Pete, did, did we did we do our first ad? <laughs> is that, wow, I just... It might I, have been. I feel so humbled by this moment. No, but it's, it's seriously it's true. real deal. Zencaster is, I mean, you know, we wouldn't advertising something something we don't believe in. Oh my 100%. goodness, Zencaster has been amazing for us. And I I always get a little thrill every time Pete sends the Zencaster link. Uh, so seriously, if, you, if you're thinking about starting the podcast, and who, seriously, who in the podcast, who in the Doctor Who world has not started a podcast yet? That's, that's the question. <laughs> who are you? We know you're out there. Uh, Maybe Millie Gibson. She's the yeah. only one. <laughs> yeah, come on, Millie. Well, Millie, Millie, I'm sure, will want to join us as soon as she starts listening. Oh, totally. Yeah. Her agent said they get back to me, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It's good, good as done. Right, I'm sure we'll be we'll be holding her at bay before long. Um, but there are other ways to interact with the show, uh, not just by using that that code. And and seriously, check it out. Sandcasters.com slash pricing code as I push. Uh, but if you're on Spotify, you can also rate the show on your app, and you pull from the bottom of the screen for the poll in poll to open, and uh, you have all of the show's ratings there. We're not going to list them; we'll get to them at the end. Um, and uh, yeah, basically, if you thought it was a Dalek good episode, Ogron bad episode, Fight Camp banger, whatever it is, um, stay tuned for the explanation of the hmm. ratings. Uh, but Spotify has have been it's been having some technical difficulties. If you can't vote for some reason, keep trying. Stay in line. If you are in line to vote, stay in line. Uh, and you can go back, for example, and vote on Megloss, as many people did. Uh, and if you disagree with these ratings, you, you should head over there right now. Because a full 50% of listeners so far have rated Megloss. Megloss? <laughs> with its silent exclamation mark. A Dalek. You you rated it yeah. a good episode, a good story of Doctor Who. Yeah, they're they're uh, siding with uh, Mark, who guested with yeah. us on that podcast, and he liked it. He was all about this is Dalek, and there's a lot to yeah. like in Megalos. There's some fun stuff going on. I get it. I get it. Uh, I'm surprised the the uh, Lady Cassandra, which is paper thin but looks good, yeah. uh, Doctor Who story, 
did not get really much in the way of any votes because uh, that was my rating. That's, yeah. That felt like Meglos with the very famous iconic shot of Tom Baker covered in his cactus acne was, uh, <laughs> you know, this gives it a lot of points for Cassandra already. It, you would think so, but we did, as our YouTube video did, did call it the most magic, crazy Doctor Who story ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people are just having a final time with it, and same experience as Mark, just wanted to rate it a Dalek, because they just had fun. So, I get it. Uh, thank you, those of you who gave it a fixed point in time, as I did. About the same number who gave it an Ogron. Uh, but Dalek is currently winning. If you think that's wrong mm-hmm. for Megloss, head over, head over and rate it differently. In fact, after this yeah. podcast, uh, go off to all of our other stories and just fire them up and just vote on everything. Vote early. We've got to put often. we got to put the podcast on Tygellan Twitter. Hey, make hey. sure they vote. I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure the the rating's going to change. That's right. Thanks be to Ty, and uh, thanks be to Ooh. you if you voted, and uh, you thanks be to you also if you went to YouTube. Yeah, so that's a great place to leave uh, an emoji title or a comment. Mm. And you get to see us, which is always fun. (laughs) Of course, it's fun. You got the Easter eggs. Got my Cardinal poster up here. Uh, It's all good stuff. So go ahead on over to YouTube and uh, subscribe, like the video, all the good stuff you're supposed to do. There's probably a bell icon for notifications when we post something new. And quick note about YouTube. Now, ever since the reveal with the trailer uh most recently for the 60th anniversary that the toy maker is the character being played by neil patrick harris mm. our plot summary of the celestial toy maker has really taken off it's apparently winning the uh youtube search contest and yeah. uh, that's super fun to see i mean it's getting some more comments and uh you know i i i hope people going into it understand what tldw is and it's more of a seat of the pants plot summary than a really sort of well thought out and edited version but i think we captured it pretty well uh particularly since that the only footage that really exists is the stuff from uh episode four yes i would say definitely for for, for the original toy maker story definitely keep your expectations low um i see a lot of people commenting on this video of the entire plot of the social toy maker uh saying that they, they were really excited about the story they, they were sort of jazzed out they'd seen pictures and uh it's not necessarily as uh <laughs> as as <laughs> glorious as you are thinking in your head but well but we, we check it out we had different we, ratings so if you go and check out the plot summary i would also check out our commentary on it we did the celestial toy maker earlier this year easy to find on our channel um and yeah we you, you I, i'm not gonna spoil it for you but let's just say chris and i uh had di- walked away with different feelings from from the story goodness i can't even remember what our ratings were at this stage but you can you can go have the link to apple Podcasts is right there on youtube we make it easy for you uh so go there and comment and uh you may end up as one of our youtube comments of the week which we That's have right. not not on the toy maker but on Megloss. Yeah, so back to Megloss for a second. So JC17Ace, friend of the pod, uh, comments on a lot of videos, had a quick thing to say about one of the plot devices in Megloss, which was, of course, the sort of time loop thing that Doctor and Romana were in called the Chronic Hysteresis. And Ace yeah. says, in defense of the Chronic Hysteresis, the term hysteresis can be thought of as lag and is often used in conjunction with magnets and things. But combined, we get a kind of time loop of continuous lagging. 
So if you think of it as a time loop with a delay, it makes the eventual eventual escape by overload a little better. I guess that's, that kind of works. I like it. I like that it's built into the name that mm. the quote unquote lag, which yeah. it's clear that the reason they can kind of get out of a time loop, it's not a perfect time loop. They have that extra time at the end of every loop and leveraging that in some way was the answer to getting it. Yeah. Still. Which, which uh, I like that it, it was sort of set up and it's, it does make it make sense, which is great because so much in Megalos doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it's sort of classic Chris Bismid, Bidmead uh, since Bidmead did come up with this turn chronic hysteresis uh, you know if you actually draw down he, he's not wrong it's it's uh, it's a good clue as to what kind of time loop it is but the fact that he would use that even though chronic hysteresis would sound to mo- most of us like a mailed, made up ailment for women in the 18th century uh, you know it just the, the, Bidmead didn't hear that right he wanted to he go for the, this he couldn't hear himself. So, yeah. So, so I appreciate the the defense of it. I get it. Still think that time time loop time loop with a bit of lag would have been. Is it just as fast to say? <laughs> well, the, the, uh, Aces, yeah. Ace JC seventeen Aces should have been a script editor here instead of like right. he could have he could have the, helped out Chris and just been boom. All right, just throw in a little yeah. explanation of this, and then you're golden. So, yeah, and, and Romana, uh, could, we know Romana is smarter than the Doctor. She could have been one to say, it's a chronic hysteresis. The Doctor could have been, a what? Or <laughs> something like, a, oh, well, of course I know that. What does that mean? What does it mean? <laughs> um, well, anyway. It made a little more sense than you might remember. So, good yes. Uh Well, I'm keen to get on with the Mythmakers. So let's just blast through the rest of our socials. We're on TikTok at Just Pull to Open. We've got more than 11,000 followers there. Uh, we, we've had some uh, popular videos uh, recently. Uh, I, I think the, the yeah, Kabam absolutely. videos are kind of a hit there. Um, but give us a follow, keep on commenting, and also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, kind of, sort of, threads, at pull to open 63 drop us a line, blue sky at pull to open and that is all Homer wrote uh, for, for the pulse loop. The pulse loop is unpulsed, and it is now time for tldw too long didn't get watch out. too long doctor it, who? Are we there already <laughs> <laughs> yes that's right and we're gonna do a very special tldw in which uh our contestant this week uh p Paschal, okay uh has agreed to summarize the entire iliad uh and <laughs> what we do is we give you Pretty one much. year well, one minute per year of the siege <laughs> so like you have year. 10 minutes <laughs> one year per minute, minute. <laughs> you have ten thousand years to summarize no no we're not going to do that we're going to do our traditional pull to open uh tldw and a risk angering the gods uh by summarizing the myth makers uh yeah. in in what turns out to be two minutes because we allocate 30 seconds per classic episode uh mythmakers is just four episodes um and pete it's your turn this week how do you feel <laughs> great yeah um yeah i, think I mean astute watchers on youtube can see i'm i'm kind of muting my mic and i got a little throat thing today so maybe i'll yeah. I'll, I'll plea that as yeah. the reason i didn't do super well um but maybe i'll do great who knows i think this story i get I think there's definitely rabbit holes I could go down, but I forgot mm. anyway. <laughs> well, well, let's let's find out what your Achilles heel is in this description. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, that there are more 
Greek myth references coming through the rest of the show, folks. Keep it here. Uh, but keep it here right now because we are about to give you the official pull to open summary of the myth makers in two minutes, starting in three, two, one, go. It's the Trojan War, and uh, Achilles is fighting Hector on the desert, but the TARDIS materializes and distracts them, and therefore Achilles can slay Hector, and then the doctor sort of comes out. Vicky and Stephen are with him, but they stay in the TARDIS. They mistake the, the doctor for Zeus, um, so because he's obviously magical, and so they take him back to the camp with the Greeks, um, and he they, they see Zeus, uh, but Odysseus and Agamemnon are skeptical, uh, Stephen comes out to uh, help him, but then Stephen is captured. He says he's a traveler. He pretends not to know the doctor, but then they realize that they are together. The doctor sort of unmasks himself and says, like, okay, I'm really a time traveler, and Stephen's my friend, and aha, well, we're going to capture you, and you're going to help us invade Troy. And then, meanwhile, Vicky has still in the TARDIS, but the TARDIS has been taken by the Trojans into Troy, and... Uh, uh, Cassandra there basically says like, oh, she's a, she's a prophet. She thinks it's going to uh, get something that has brought into the city. A, a seeming gift is going to destroy them. She think it's the TARDIS. Vicky comes out, uh, says she's a time traveler. Uh, they, they, uh, she quickly kind of wins them over strangely because of this guy, Paris, and also this guy, Troilus, who she kind of falls for. And then Steven ditches the doctor to go help Vicky because he knows the Greeks are going to invade. He gets captured after he uh, fights Paris or pretends to fight him. He gets in, uh, and so he and he unfortunately betrays Vicky a little bit uh, accidentally. They sort of uh, start to suspect them because they know each other. Uh, that they force the Doctor, meanwhile, Odysseus to and uh, to basically design uh, a way to destroy to to, uh, to invade Troy. He because he can't think of anything, decides on a horse and then gets them all in the horse. They basically it's the Trojan horse. The Doctor came up with it. They come into the city. Uh, we all know what happens. They come out and open the gates. Meanwhile, time the doctor and because she's fallen for Troilus and goes to him out of the city after it's been invaded. And, uh, the doctor leaves with Steven and this new person, Katarina. And I totally screwed it up. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. No, but, uh, I, I will say, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people who know that the myth makers is where, uh, Vicky leaves and, uh, Katarina enters. We're waiting for Katarina in the summary. But no, folks, I got, I got to tell you, the arrival of Katarina at the last yeah. minute is it, that's I exactly Katarina. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. She just, she just yeah. arrives in episode four and she's just kind of there. And, and okay, I guess. And, and we should, shall we start there? Because, you know, let, let's not go straight into the world of Greek myths straight away or the Iliad or, you know, how this relates to the Iliad, all of that history corners, history corner is massive. This week, history folks. corner can wait. <laughs> history corner can wait. Let's talk companion corner. First of all, yeah. uh, because it is Vicky's last episode and it is technically, uh, Katarina's first story. Although she only shows up, she's a handmaiden to Cassandra. She only shows up right at the end of episode four. Uh, yeah. and then she is killed Spoiler alert. Sorry, folks. She's killed in episode four or five of the Daleks Master Plan, which is the next story. No idea, because I've never seen it. I did know she <laughs> dies, though. But yes. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I feel like it's hard to even talk about this without taking a further step back and talking a little bit about the behind the scenes stuff of season three and Doctor Who. Yes, yeah. this is this story is a little bit. It's arguable. This is sort of where a lot of the chaos began, um, mm. because sort of famously, Verity Lambert had uh, had left the show. John yeah. Wiles was the new producer, and at this point in the show, in crafting the Myth Makers, he has sort of really taken over and is really starting to make decisions and some of them not particularly popular. And one of them is that for whatever reason, he didn't particularly care for Maureen O'Brien mm. uh, who plays Vicky and decided to write her out of the episode and handled it like uh, right out of the show and then mm. handled it really badly. Like basically yeah. they wrote the myth makers and she didn't know she was being written out until she read the script according yeah. to her. Or I, I mean, I know I don't think anyone's contradicting her. So it's like, but yeah, and well, like, Peter oh Purves has said the same thing. Uh, Peter Purves, as Stephen found yeah. out at the same time, his contract had been renewed. Hers hadn't. Uh, yeah, they either found out very precipitously when they came back from vacation or when they read the script. Um, yeah. And the script itself, I mean, without without taking too much of a diversion into history, I'll just say, obviously, so Vicky is renamed Cressida. I don't think you got that to that in your yeah. in your summary. Well, I, I thought about bringing it up and realized I was already short on time, yes. so I, I didn't. You the know, king of Troy, king King Priam, just sort of says out of nowhere, uh, "Oh yeah, let's let's. I I don't like the name Vicky. Let's call you Cressida." Now, in the novelization, there's a bit of extra detail. He's like, "Oh, I had a cousin called Cressida once." Well, yes, Cressida was so Troilus and Cressida is actually a a very late addition to the uh, to the whole legend of Troy. Uh, it's something that uh, you know they, they like a 12th century writer came up with it, and then Chaucer did a version, and then Shakespeare did a version. That's probably where you've heard Troilus and Cressida as a Shakespeare play. Maybe you had to do it at school, probably not. It's a bit of a weird play, but the whole point of uh, of Troilus and Cressida is that uh, Cressida uh, abandons Troilus. It's a tragedy. Uh, he's he's mm. killed, uh, and she goes off. Uh, he's actually killed in in, uh, in in the Iliad by um, uh, by by uh, Achilles, who's off on a killing spree, and he kills Troilus in the worst possible way, which is in he defiles him in the temple of uh, of Apollo, I believe. Uh, just Hold on, horrible that didn't happen in exactly the world. It yes, so <laughs> so it's so it's a change. So they had to change it. And then the, the original idea of uh, Donald Cotton, the writer of this, who was kind of a kind of a classics guy, like he knew his stuff. He'd done a lot of radio plays on uh, on the subjects of, of classical myths, and uh, so he he knew this. And the, the whole idea was that that Vicky, as as Cressida, was going to go off with uh, this guy called Diomedes, as she does, you know, which is the name given to Stephen. So right. both of the companions are given alternate names. Uh, so that's that's what she does in the tragedy. She goes off with this Greek called Diomedes, uh, and okay. and Troilus and Troilus is killed, and you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's 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 a tragedy. And so that's what Donald Cotton was going for. And then I guess at some point in the in the writing of this, uh, like he 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 had to work a lot with uh, Donald Tosh. Uh, who was, I believe he was the script editor. Yeah, of the the script editor. So I seem to be saying that originally this story had a t- more tragic ending for Vicky. Yes. Yes. Oh, that she man. would basically go off with, with, I mean, that's sort of fil- fulfilling the, uh, you know, the, the tragedy, the idea of the tragedy. So, but so then it, she'd be basically alone in ancient yeah. Greece. And, yes. Oh, wow. 
Well, uh, no, no, Troilus, but she would go off in the TARDIS with Diomedes. Uh, Troilus would then be killed. And like that's oh. the last thing that oh, he realized. Oh, yes. Okay, now that makes it because yes, because <laughs> Stevens died. Me- yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't yes. quite put that together. I was thinking like she left, but then Troilus dies. But then yeah, okay, got it. Uh, so it's actually quite quite clever, a quite clever thing that Donald Cotton was yeah. attempting there, as, as he's doing a lot of subtle, clever things. We'll get to it, but he's basically uh, subverting and undermining the, the whole story of Troy and the whole Iliad. Uh, we'll yeah. get to why he's doing that. I got, I got but, some of that. But, yeah, but here, <laughs> yeah, but like, that's way more when you dig in. That's why I went down so many rabbit holes. But uh, but yeah, this was supposed to be, Vicky was supposed to be written out because it was a joke, because it was classical, uh, what not written out, but she was supposed to go off with Stephen. And, you know, Troilus is like, oh, damn it. I, Because we have that that sweet scene, yeah, but, right, where she's yeah. like, he's like, are you, are you, is he a special friend, this Diomedes? And she's like, no, no, not, you know, don't tell, yeah, your, of course. tell, tell, tell your friend not to worry. But the original version assumed they were leaving together. Like, basically, yes. she was staying with them and yes. assumed the Katarina thing wasn't part of it. So then Correct. because they wrote her out, they had to change the ending and put in mm-hmm. Katarina. Which yes. Is one of the reasons I would, you know, not to get too far into the commentary right away, but I, I think episode four doesn't bring home the farce, the, the the humor and the cleverness in the way you really want it to. And that's yes. probably one of the reasons. It's quite deliberately subverting our expectations. We'll, we'll get to that. It suddenly turns into a tragedy in episode four. Yeah. Um, but it yes, doesn't it's, have It's the, not the only reason yeah. it doesn't. Yes. Like, but it, it is, it's, it, wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it was supposed to be more of a tragedy. Uh, and instead, that's sort of the only nice thing that, that happens to Vicky. But yeah, Vicky was supposed to be in the Katarina role. She was supposed to go forward into the, the Daleks' master plan. That was the idea. And it would have been much, much more affecting if Vicky had, Vicky had died in the yeah, Daleks' really? master plan. Instead of Katarina, who you only get four episodes to know. Uh, I mean, and and uh, to- Toby Hadok, whose name has, has come up once or twice in the show before, has this whole thing about Katarina. Like, are we, are we just like having a mass hallucination here? Like, she's not a companion. You know, she, she's only in it for four episodes. She's barely in the Myth Makers. You know, she gets killed almost immediately. She doesn't count. And, and that sort of sent me thinking about our yeah. own. Uh, go back and check our, our, yeah, our we'll uh, story on, on the the companion list. I don't suppose yeah. you have it to hand because I don't think uh, Katarina makes it under our definition. Well, I don't uh, as a companion. Here, but she, she travels in the TARDIS. She travels right. in time. Yeah. Um, she's more than one, one story. story. So she, she, right there, she gets sort of the, the minimum, but she, but wasn't Adam also <laughs> Adam in uh, Dalek uh, and the long game. Yeah, Cause he was working against the doctor. Uh, I see. Okay, that's why he doesn't count. But Katarina, she's, I guess, arguably working against the Doctor. Early, very. I mean, she doesn't have a lot of lines, but she's like working mm. for Cassandra. So, arguably, yeah, she, then, you know, by the time she's taken on board the TARDIS, though, I think she's she's essentially come around. Well, she's sort of taken on board the TARDIS by accident. She isn't invited in by the Doctor. Right. Um, she just in in the confusion. Even yeah. You know, like Stephen can't walk, like he's he's been wounded, and yep. then it is a little bit like, okay, <laughs> like I guess you're here now, and it's it's like it's not. I guess maybe there's not too much to unpack here, but you think about well, yeah, why not save her from the downfall of Troy? Mm. But it gets to one of those things where it's like, well, why not 
save everyone from the downfall of Troy, yeah. you know, like, and it's it sort of, there's a little bit of echo here, I think in uh, the fires of Pompeii, or maybe that's just my read, but the idea, like, you know, when Donna's pegging the 10th doctor, yeah. just, just save someone. And he kind of, he kind of just saved someone here, which is like, okay. I guess yeah. And okay. you know, the, the person to be saved, uh, I really wish they did. If they were going to get rid of Vicky, I, I really wish that they'd saved Cassandra. Uh, because Cassandra is the the most, I mean, she's kind of the most tragic figure in the original story, right? Mm. So her curse is that she can see the future, but nobody believes her. Nobody listens to her. Right. And here in the myth makers, we see why nobody, like there's a good reason why nobody listens to it. And that's because when they bring the TARDIS into Troy, she's all like, this is going to be, I had a dream. I saw something was brought into the city and it was our doom. You're not right. listening to me. Yeah. And they're like, doom. Like this is a blue box. He's, you know, it's, it's a temple. Like it's this tiny thing. Uh, you know, the doctors told him it's a temple. So, so they save it. And of course the TARDIS isn't, isn't the thing that she was, she was dreaming of the Trojan horse. Mm. So it's really tragic for her that she and and what you find out in the fourth episode is exactly what happens uh in in the greek myths uh which is that she's she's kind of she becomes agamemnon's uh one of agamemnon's uh slaves basically it's a, it's oh, a wow. terrible ending for her um yeah. those greeks were pretty brutal I mean, we're, yeah I mean, everyone gets, was back then but yeah, yeah. gotta say cassandra that no, well, I wouldn't say no woman in history, but like she, she is definitely one of those people who really should take a LinkedIn course on communication. <laughs> like, she is extremely unlikable. Like it's not yes. what you say, it's how you say it. So like yes. you get this just very kind of, you know, shrill, angry, must do this. Listen to me, like jumping up and down. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. It's like, Okay, <laughs> let me yeah. list which the ways I, you should you could make your point without doing this. And you know, I I really strangely got to really like the character of Paris just yes. because he's he's kind of goofball. Like he's a little like you know he's obviously full of pride and he's all like all mm-hmm. right, and he's he's not even trying to play uh, Greek or Trojan. You know, he's 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 just this guy from Great British Great Britain nineteen sixties sitcoms. <laughs> Just yes. oh, that's enough, sister. Sit down. I'm 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 taking the temple, and I'm great, and never no one should ever listen to you anyway. Yeah, he's revealed uh, in this to be a bit shallow, a bit of a coward, which is actually also how how Paris is in in the Iliad and and the other Greek myths around the fall of Troy. So that's that's accurate. Uh, but I, I love that they have uh, King Priam, the, the king of Troy say uh about cassandra something like oh don't pay attention to her i think she just you know she wants to she's always prophesying doom and i think i think it's because she wants to be able to say i told you so Uh, now we we all know someone like that in our lives who's just like oh you just want to i mean they used to say when i was at time magazine we had an uh, economics correspondent who uh i i remember you know one one editor sort of rolling his eyes and say yeah that that guy you know he's predicted five out of the last three recessions um (laughs) he's you know He's just oh always saying it's going to be a recession because sometime, yeah. you know, he's going to be right. Yeah. So I love that explanation, which you don't get in the original for, for why Cassandra is being a Debbie Downer. Um, but 
it would have been great for the Doctor to rescue her as a fellow seer. And then you could have had the first four episodes of the Dalek Master Plan being Cassandra prophesying her own doom, uh, which Katarina mm-hmm. sort of does, yeah. but like not not to her extreme. Like you know, it might might be more fitting. Uh, like Katarina sort of knows she's going to die, and weirdly enough, the actress knew she was going to die because yeah. she just filmed her death scene. She yeah, filmed her death scene before she entered the show. Yeah, again, it's sort of getting back to the chaos of this era where they wrote her out, wrote out Vicky. So it's like, okay, we need someone else. And then they were like, oh no, but we're going to do this super dramatic thing. And they probably also sort of concluded having someone from ancient Greece might not mm. be <laughs> a particularly useful companion uh, yeah. going forward. So, And that's you know. sort of the legend. Speaking of myths, there's a lot of myths and like layers of myths that we're talking about here, which is so delicious to dive into. And one of them is this, that has sort of been the, the myth that's built up, built up around Katerina over the years, that they, they just sort of realized, oh, you're going to have to explain everything to her, like right. because she's from the far past. So literally, like, you know, a pencil, she's not going to understand a pencil. Uh, writing, she's not going to understand writing, because they didn't actually write, and it was an illiterate age that is mm. always being described by Homer. Um, you know, so it's not going to keep them on for long. But I, I don't think that's right. I don't think that matches up with the timeline. Doesn't match it up with the fact that, that she was killed before she had her first scene. Uh, like they knew well, what was going to happen to her. And I know maybe they didn't necessarily take people from too far back after mm. this, but it also kind of doesn't match up with, say, Jamie yeah. and others who are from the past who, yes, they need stuff explained to them. But I think if you look at how Jamie would just handle it and just, you mm. know, with some. Uh, probably a better written character, but he'd, you know, turn on the Scottish charm, just oh, I that, you know, like, and, oh, I, all right, 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 yeah, hey. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's that's about half of uh, all Scottish talk. Yeah, so like companions <laughs> from the past can work. I think you just kind of have to know what what you're sort of getting into and what their strengths are, and maybe they just never thought that through with Katarina because you know they didn't see the need. But I 100 yeah. percent would agree. Like, if you're going to write vicky out anyway and you need a big dramatic death in the next episode i mean how come no one put two and two together yeah you're you're right to say that it's all part of the chaos of the time a lot of that chaos was affecting hartnell as well like he had Mm. a terrible time of the myth makers he got he got hit by a camera uh from it he was still pissed off that they that verity lambert had gone so he had a good relationship with her didn't like the new guy had a fight in a pub. Like a uh, fight fight? A fight fight. He got a black eye. Oh, wow. Hartnell Damn. got a black eye and they had to do makeup over it. Not um, one to avoid the fisticuffs. The yes. Doctor. And the poor guy, he lost his aunt, who uh, Hartnell had kind of a rough childhood and she was kind of a surrogate mother to him. And, and, and she died. As a matter of fact. Yeah. And he couldn't go to the funeral because of yeah. this, because of the mythmakers. Yeah. I mean, shoot. my goodness, talk about a Greek tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, it was Poor a tough guy. time, tough time yeah. for the show. Yeah, and you definitely hear that in his performance. Like his this is definitely one of those Hartnell stories where you're like, You you can do it, you can do it, my lad. You can wrestle that line to the ground. You can you can get through it. You know, supposedly that he made some fluff about about the ham bone. Uh, and and the director kind of changed, you know, pointed pointed it out rather too much by kind of changing the line on him to make it more Hartnell-esque. Oh. Which, oh no, don't do that. 
Well, I'd also heard he was a little fearful of some of the actors they got on this mm. that were kind of upstaging him because they got some apparently uh, some top-notch actors at the time. They did. So, uh, but supposed, yeah, supposedly he was most worried about the guy playing Priam, but he uh, Max Adrian, but he wasn't in any scenes with him. So, yeah. like you know, they, they did manage to keep those two apart. But yeah, I think Hartnell was just like the definition of irascible. On, yeah, on and I think that some of the earlier scenes didn't get played maybe with the same amount of humor as I, th- you know, again, I, I, I think mm-hmm. that what they're going for here is sort of the Trojan War as comedy. Yes. And as a bit of a, a just a, not quite a fun romp, but like, oh, like as you get through, you're there, you have that oh moment again and again. Yeah. It's like, okay, I get where you're going with this. And I mean, it I, kind of is a fun romp. The, the, when you when you yeah. go through it a second, like the, there's a lot of very subtle jokes that it's hard to catch uh, on a first read, and there are many jokes you're not going to get unless you are familiar with the source material. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like I'm about to feel very dumb. So why don't we <laughs> no. go full on and enter the history corner? Oh yeah, that's right. We have a jingle for the history corner now. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Martin. Um, I didn't brand yeah. it. I should have said pull to open history corner. Yes, but, the know, pull to open history corner. The podcast are listening to. <laughs> so I, there's no need to feel dumb because I, fe- I feel dumb uh, how much I've, I've gone through my life and I haven't read the Iliad. Mm. Uh, and I didn't understand even what the Iliad was uh, in terms of what it covers. I thought that, you know, like the, the Odyssey covers the entire trip of Odysseus after going home after the siege of Troy, right? right. We, we know that. That's sort of more famous. The Iliad, I'd always assumed that it covered the whole uh, the whole war. Like, that it oh, starts really? like off decade? with... Yeah, that, that's what I thought, uh, because, like, that's, that's the story we all know, right? We know about <laughs> Paris, uh, the judgment of Paris, and Paris stealing Helen, Helen, the face that launched a thousand ships, a thousand ships right. come besiege Troy for ten years... You know, there's a there's a horse. That's how they do it. Um, it, said, it said, "Is it like Odysseus in the dark in a horse?" And it's like it's <laughs> yeah. cramped with a bunch of soldiers, and it's like record scratch. You're probably wondering how I got into this place. <laughs> that is brilliant, uh, and that that may well have been the first draft. Uh, but but no. So the Iliad and Homer. Homer, by the way, despite the fact that Donald Cotton wrote the novelization in the voice of Homer, we still don't know who Homer is. If they were one person, we've got no idea whatsoever. What we do know is that there was a vast cycle of of legends that had built up around Troy, around the war in Troy. Uh, that became just everyone was familiar with, right? And we've only got a few little pieces of these legends now of these cycles. Uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey are part of them. They're just part of the whole. Um, and all of that stuff. Uh, and the doctor is wrong when he says Homer is the source for the, for the, for the horse, the source for the horse, <laughs> uh, which is just, but first of all, I just, I gotta say, I love that idea. The, the doctor basically, it feels like a new who episode. The doctor's like, yeah. no, I'm not going to tell them about the horse because it was made up. It sounds really stupid. I'm not going to do it. And then he has to do it. He yeah. tries to give them flying machines instead. doesn't work. And I, I just love that. I love that. No, yeah. it's stupid. Like that feels like a very, very new who thing. Um, but also, 
Like, the horse isn't in the Iliad. The, the Iliad just covers, uh, really, a very short space of time. It's really just about Hector and Achilles. Okay. Uh, and their, their various, you know, uh, it all leading up to the showdown that is in the Iliad. Like, it's the highest point of drama. Like, they really build up to it. And Achilles is furious because Hector has killed his friend, and we're going to put friend in uh, quotes, if you can see on YouTube I'm doing friend, uh, because uh, Patroclus uh, is the guy who's killed, who Hector ma- mentions at the start. Hector kills Patroclus. Uh, Patroclus was killed. The, the whole Iliad is leading up to this climax, which yes. the Mythmakers begins with. Yes! <laughs> wow, okay. So, what Donald Cotton is doing, and what Doctor Who is doing here, is subverting the entire Iliad by coming in. The TARDIS comes in at the most dramatic moment. Mm. Like, the whole thing has been leading up to this titanic struggle between Hector and Achilles, which, by the way, was in front of all of their troops. Like, that's that's how this happened. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not there, of course, in the top two versions. just the two of them, uh, just, just sort of trading bars with each other. And it's well, quite Homer's snarky. There. Uh, Homer, Homer is there according to the novelization uh, behind the sand dune or something yes at one point he's hiding behind a cactus and I'm like ooh Megalos connection <laughs> um, and uh, yeah so you know so it's really defanging the entire Iliad the whole point of the Iliad to, for the doctor to just come in and, and he says this wonderful thing which he might almost seem to be a sort of a weird mistake where he's like oh don't <laughs> you know Hector is down on the ground and he says Zeus you know, as the doctor emerges yeah. and he's distracted, Achilles stabs him. Yeah. Uh, and the doctor says, Stop, you must not kick a man when he's down. Oh, yeah. you've killed this poor fellow. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh my God, this huge, the most tragic moment in the Iliad. Okay, so the Iliad doesn't exactly end there because I don't know if you uh, know what Hector did, uh, what Achilles did afterwards with the body of Hector. Like the whole Iliad has been priming you for like the most important thing that you must do is like you you honor the heroes. Like if you fall in battle, you've got to have like funeral rites. You've got to be returned to your family. Like this is just this is how we do it. This is how we do war. These are the rules of war. Like you act honorably. And Achilles doesn't do this. He he oh. he slaughters Trojan he fills up he fills up a river so much with so many Trojan corpses that the river starts to complain uh, because that's what that's what rivers did in ancient Greek myths like hey stop filling me with corpses he drags Hector's he drags Hector's corpse around Troy for days on the back of a chariot so his parents can see I mean this is you know, and it shocks yeah. the, even the gods on Olympus are shocked by wow, his behavior. There's no, there's no war <laughs> yeah. crime uh, yeah. trial on Olympus or something. That doesn't yeah. happen. So, like, that's the level of tragedy and like heightened drama that we're talking yeah. about. And Doctor Who just comes in, in the middle of that, like, nope, <laughs> nope, we're just going to take all of that out. <laughs> the doctor is just going to be oh 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 hey you killed him and then like achilles goes back and he's like oh yeah hector's dead oh and i found zeus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I so mean, when you... and does, does the horse thing in in the odyssey then yeah uh, the horse thing is mentioned in the odyssey uh our well, main source thing, isn't it so it, it's from the original uh, epic cycle. The, this original story is lost. How, what we have it from mostly is the Aeneid, 
which okay. was written in Roman times by Virgil, the poet Virgil, but who who was working off, you know, documents we no longer have, stories we no longer have. Like everyone gotcha. knew the story. Uh, and by the way, everyone knew the story during a long period between the Bronze Age and the Iron Age when we didn't have writing, right? Mm. So that's the oral tradition. It was passed on. And it was kind of passed on as a game of telephone, yeah. which is why the latest thinking on what the Trojan horse is, is that it wasn't a horse at all. It was a ship. Oh, okay. Well, wait a minute. Uh, so had a ship that was on the desert? That yeah, so, so, okay, so... First of all, here's how it goes down in in the myth. Uh, the the Trojans, like you think about the Greek myth, and you're like, Trojans are freaking idiots. Why, <laughs> why did they just wheel this thing into their city? Well, there was, it was a gift, and of course you have that famous phrase, "Beware of Greeks bearing gifts," which is actually from the right. Aeneid. Uh, literally, you know, literally says that a priest is like, "Oh no, don't do it!" And Cassandra's in the background going, "No, this is doom." And they're like, "Oh, shut up, Cassandra!" Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, it's don't bring this over. Yeah, yes. like, yeah, just throw it out of the this, village. So no, they really they went the extra hog, and it's almost like they had a writer's room on it because here's what you need: you need a guy, you need a Greek guy who's known to hate Odysseus and have a lot of battles with Odysseus. And he volunteers to stay behind and say, they look, they they defiled Hector and the goddess is very angry. And they stole this thing. They they actually in the in the, in the Iliad they steal a um uh I think it's called the a Palladium from Troy. Oh. And it's a monument to Athena and Okay. Uh, Troy can't win if they don't have the palladiums. So that's why they sneak in and steal it. Helen helps them. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then they're like, so the story is, oh, we realize that we angered the gods by stealing that thing. Athena has said we can never win now and we'll never win again unless we leave you this gift. Uh, right. And also they have this guy who Odysseus hates. He hates Odysseus. He volunteers to be beaten up and say, oh, they tried to use me as a human sacrifice. Uh, but the gods said they they got to build this horse. But you know what? You are never going to get it into Troy, and that's why Odysseus was cunning because like he built it so it was taller than your city gates, and mm. and uh, you know the people of Troy are like, oh, well, that's no problem. We'll just take the gates off, and we'll bring the oh, horse wow. in. How do you like that, Greeks? You know, so they think they're getting one over on Odysseus. They think they're doing the right thing by the gods. They they think mm. that the Greeks are acting, you know that they finally come to their senses uh, and they've stopped, you know, doing, doing all that bad shit that Achilles was doing with Hector's body and, you know, defiling it. Oh yeah. Well, okay. This makes sense. This is an apology. This right. is an apology horse. Okay. So that's what happens in uh, history. The idea. So we have lots of examples of boats being called sea horses. Oh, okay. So a lot of that they they were just and, and right. a lot of military equipment was was yeah. described with animal names, right? So the idea now thinking now is that yes, he he may have just left a boat like maybe on the plane outside or something or like you know and here's here's our gift here's our offering here have a boat yeah here have a boat <laughs> uh, and they okay. fell for it. It, so it might be that it would make more sense because Odysseus, of course, he was kind of a sailor, uh, known as a sailor. It make more sense for him to think of a boat than to think of a horse. Uh, so it may have just been a game I, of I telephone. Would you would suspect people are on the boat, 
more and, and that might be mm. more obvious than having people in a hollow horse. I guess yeah. that's where you kind of like go, well then that the whole subterfuge kind of works a little better with the horse. It, it does. And I think that's probably why, you know, legions of storytellers over the centuries before Homer were like, oh, this this is actually a seahorse, you say? No, let's actually make it a horse. That makes it a better story. Right. right. You know, if you've got yes, the story, you've like, got the legend, print the legend. If it's like the Millennium Falcon, <laughs> and yes. you have the, uh, you know, the floorboards that come up, then maybe, maybe the boat works. <laughs> But there is, my goodness, there's so much more to the story. Like Helen comes out and turns out to be uh, an expert at mimicking voices. So she goes up to the horse and she's like, oh, she mimics the voices of all of the wives of the Trojans who are inside, of the the Greeks who are inside. Like she mimics the voice of uh, Penelope, Odysseus's wife. And he has to like, because they all miss their wives so much. And, and Odysseus actually has to strangle yeah. one of the other Greeks in the horse. He kills him because he's going to cry out because it sounds so much like his wife. Huh. But it sounds yeah. like in the story, they already suspect something's in the horse. Why didn't they just check? Uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, Helen, Helen actually gets word from Aphrodite, I believe. I see. Because so they're, they're in cahoots. She not anyone. She's just sort of yeah. guessed. Well, she tells her new husband, because Paris has died at this point. I don't know if you knew this. Helen had actually four husbands. Where, uh, where is Helen in the Mythmakers? Yeah, she's not really in it. And, and, and yeah. it's kind of subverted, because what's so wonderful is you have uh, that scene with Agamemnon, uh, the, the king of the Greeks, and yeah. Menelaus, his brother, at the start... Uh, and Menelaus was Helen's husband. Like, he was the one that she was stolen from. Right, right. You know, launching the whole Trojan War in the first place. So that's why it's hilarious that you've got Menelaus being like, I don't even like Helen really that much. <laughs> like, after uh, 10 years later, oh, I don't. Oh, they can have him. They can have her. Uh, you know, which is <laughs> subverting it. But it's also kind of like how they feel in the Iliad. Like, you know, uh, Helen is seen to be more trouble than she's worth and and Menelaus is like oh I'm just sort of doing this because I kind of have to uh, yeah. Helen actually wants Menelaus back at the end um, so yeah. yeah after Paris reveals himself to be a, a shallow dude yeah, uh, there's yeah. like one or two references in the script where like there's the one you mentioned and then like Paris said so like then you're not the whole Helen thing was a misunderstanding or yeah. you know like it was <laughs> kind of like yeah like and again this is the, this is the strength of the uh the mythmakers is is it's sort of farcical take on all the history and and subverting it I mean I I really liked like there's one point where I feel like in in I think this line would have worked better in New Who because I think they would have played it up even more because it almost goes by you, but it's kind of like I believe mm. it's at the end of episode three when they're bringing in the horse and Cassandra is like, "Whoa to the Trojans!" Yes, I'm afraid you're a bit late to say "Whoa to the horse," and it's like, <laughs> "Holy cow!" Like oh, you went right into going over, going for the dad jokes, even. Yep. Like this is this is funny. I mean, it's like the, if you were if you had any doubt at that point, you're like, oh yeah, it's like the comedic vibes are just too strong. And yeah. I feel like it's setting you up again for episode four. Oh, that the next one's going to bring the house down. Like this is going to yeah. be hilarious. And then it kind of isn't. Like it's not just tragic and sort of. I guess I'm kind of coming out of the the history corner here, but 
like the the strongest scenes in episode four are sort of when the doctor and Odysseus are having their exchanges, I think. And there's a very powerful one where Odysseus sort of shows himself to be like just really immoral and the doctor calls him out on it. Like you just you want your colleagues to die and you just want more Mm -hmm. treasure and status for yourself. You're you're a bad person. And you you have these genuine moments and he's of, of regret on his part for helping them and getting you know, inspiring them to build the horse. And there's even like, at least in, in the telesnap version I watched, he's kind of looking around at the end at all the dead Trojans mm. in the city and has sort of like genuine remorse. Yep. And I feel like this is a bit that may even in sort of hindsight have really defined the doctor's character and sort of cemented mm. like, you know, how he's going to, sort of treat situations like this, how he's going to choose his allies more wisely. And like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of like a character building moment for the doctor. I feel like. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because you don't expect it all in the three episodes leading up to it. You don't, uh, you might've been primed to expect it by uh galaxy four. I believe the doctor doesn't quite win the day there. Um, right. And it certainly the whole of season three seems to be, kind of playing with this notion that the doctor always wins you know you have galaxy four and then you have mission to the unknown doctor isn't even in that episode um you know and and dalek's master plan you sort of expect him to win throughout and that keeps getting subverted and in fact his companions keep dying not only katarina but of course sarah kingdom um and yeah, yeah, so the doctor doesn't win. So it's this really dark thing. They're constantly playing with your expectations. Of course, the doctor's the hero. He's going to win. And yeah, you, you're absolutely right. He realizes here that he, like, you know, the, the, the capricious gods have a role for the doctor here, and it is to invent the myth of the horse, uh, even though he doesn't want to, even though he sees it clear as Cassandra, what's going to happen? Right. Uh, and, and he's he doing it, to, you know, out of self-preservation, which is totally yes. understandable. But it's also like when you, you know, balance what happens uh, and the lives that are lost sort of because of it. I mean, I guess, you know, again, yeah. you could always argue that they were <laughs> like, this is again, the war, the, the warlord's argument of they were going to die anyway. But it's I don't think mm-hmm. I think everything about Doctor Who is like, that's not a good excuse. Right. Like, you know, all the way up to um, the Doctor Falls, where he sort of yeah. states the philosophy out loud. Um, and I feel like the, some of the first forming of that philosophy is here. It's kind of what surprisingly powerful stuff in the myth makers. Uh, it really is. I mean, and, and uh, you are absolutely right that they to- Donald Conlon totally subverts your expectations. Um, you, you're really expecting somehow like make everything all right in the fourth episode. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't. And it is, I mean, the, the, the Greek sacking of Troy is sort of infamous in history of being one of the most degraded, just just horrible massacres. It was like the Milai of its day. I mean, it just mm. it was just wrong on so many levels. Not just you know the killing the not just the killing of of uh, old man Priam um, and uh, and all of the male line, but the enslaving and the raping of all of the women of Troy. I mean, it was nasty, nasty stuff. And to its credit, like I I think it would have been diminished if, if Dr. Who had sort of tried to make light of all of that. Um, And it it is sort of, you know, the whole thing is barbaric that, that this is a, a, a missing story, but it's especially sad that it's missing because of that fourth episode, because so much of it 
is like you, you hear on the telestime version so much of it or you know on the audio version so much of it is taken up by screams and slaughter mm. and it's going on in the background constantly yeah. and i really want to know like how how they filmed that did you get a sense of sort of scale of of you know dead of the dead trojans you mentioned there are scenes with dead trojans. yeah there's i mean I'm not sure. It's funny. Like episode four has a few clips that are <laughs> clearly not even from Doctor Who. It looks like there's a bit where people <laughs> are sort of coming down from the rope mm-hmm. on the from the this the horse, and it looks clearly taken from another show, like Robin Hood or something. <laughs> One of them even has a bow, I think. Mm. Um, which actually made me think, like, wait a minute, did the Doctor come, must have come down that rope? And it's like, is that walking stick that he has? Is that just for show? I. You know, we've seen him engage in fisticuffs. So, and the Romans, uh, and, yeah. And it also made me think about he, he, how did he get in? Like, I guess he climbed up a rope. <laughs> I, you know, like that's, you know, this doctor's a little more spry than you might think. So, so here's a connection uh, with a random connection with uh, the Ambassadors of Death. It's been very hard to connect the two, uh, and we'll we'll get into more when we get to why did the randomizer bring us here. But there was supposed to be a Morse code scene. Where, oh, wow. uh, the doctor and Stephen communicate. Uh, well, first of all, I will say, speaking of dad jokes, the original title of episode three would have been one of my favorite titles of in Doctor Who history had Donald Cotton been allowed to put in the title that he wanted, which was, Is There a Doctor in the Horse? <laughs> right. <laughs> which is so good. Yeah. So good. I love that. It was also supposed to be uh, the title of episode one was either Deus Ex Machina or Zeus Ex Machina. Right, right, Zeus right. Ex Machina, which is just, and he uses that in the book. It's, it's brilliant. So, you know, clearly going for the comedy here, the dark comedy, as it turns out. Um, but yeah, so there was supposed to be more code communication between the two. Oh, yeah. Uh, between Stephen and the Doctor. But also then there's there's the other irony of, of the fact that... Uh, uh, Diomedes, the, the the Greek uh, character that, that Stephen is supposed to be, was uh, was actually um, was actually supposed to be the horse. <laughs> it was actually one of so he oh. basically he and the Doctor switched places. Oh, interesting. Okay, well that, so, maybe that yeah. got screwed up. I, I I wonder if that's explained <laughs> away. Like he's in the city toward yeah. the end, so maybe yes. you know, history just talked it chalked it up to like he must have been in the horse when he wasn't really. Yeah, you but know. the doctor has blood on his hands here. He really he does. Blood on his hands. And yeah. he tries. No, he, I, I mean, he's he's so desperate that he tries to give the Greeks the secret of flight. Right. And then sort of says uh, it's not going to work. And yeah. I guess we have to take him at his word that the calculations wouldn't work because they probably just doesn't have the right material to build a glider or whatever. And But he, he almost seems like he knew it was going to, wasn't going to work, but he didn't realize he was going to be called upon to test it. So he kind of ditches it at that point. Um, He thinks, he thinks that making a paper airplane is going to wow Odysseus. Yeah. Uh, I love that scene. He's like, Oh look, here's paper airplane. He's like, are you, are you simple? My kids do this. You know, it's like just everyone knows that paper airplanes. Like, and I like this, the, the idea that the doctor is still young. Uh, in his first regeneration, and he doesn't know how to pull the wall over the eyes of someone as, as cunning as Odysseus. Well, that was kind of one of the things I was found surprising in the first episode with both the Doctor and Vicky, uh, just like 
be completely like, okay, I'm not Zeus and I'm just a traveler and a, and a time traveler mm. and blah, blah, blah. And then same with Vicky. She's just like, I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not. I'm a time traveler. Mm. And, you know, she's completely honest with everyone. And I was like, huh, I, I, I don't know if I like that, to be honest with you, because you, you, it does subvert your expectation because you feel mm. like the standard thing to do is, okay, I'm going to lean into whatever their assumption is so that I can get stuff from them or simply buy time to go and they both don't they both kind of like okay well we're not that but we're this hmm. and we can still work with that and i think in vicky's case she sort of wins them over right i sort of mentioned that in the summary and like yeah you know particularly paris and and troilus and you know obviously cassandra wants everyone dead but uh and priam and she wins over know, priam who who then yeah. insults her her looks Right. <laughs> By basically saying, happened. yeah, it's not yeah, exactly, you know, don't, uh, you've not met Helen, uh, never mind. If only he'd met a nice, sensible girl like you, he says of Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I always say it's character that counts, not good looks, uh, which is just that Priam has, has not been uh, well socialized these last 10 years in Troy. <laughs> he doesn't really know how to talk to uh, a woman like Vicky. Um, well, why would you with all the orgies all over the place and indeed and we talk about that line which yes i, I don't know if we want to say too much about it but i guess it's odysseus <laughs> to the doctor when they're in the horse and he says you're making me as nervous as a bacchanat at her first orgy right <laughs> and when i like my, my, i was just like what did he say and i i just could picture all the british school children <laughs> asking their parents what's an orgy after that line was uh, uh you know broadcast on the myth makers it's like whoa uh, that's a wildly accurate but interesting choice to leave in yeah there's a, there's a lot of moments like that that's probably the best example where you're just like how did this make it past how did this make it onto tea time television and it's because <laughs> it's the classics so yeah. everything is forgiven forgiven it's just you know it's like shakespeare oh it's in shakespeare it doesn't matter that it's bawdy and he's really talking about four-letter words um you know, it's uh, so yeah. The the orgy scene is one of those. I think it also at the time was kind of like you know you you heard orgy you could you thought Roman orgy right doesn't necessarily have the connotations that it has today. Mm. Being purely sexual, you just thought it was a big big party. Uh, back in eight, by the way, that is uh, anachronistic. Um, they've got Odysseus saying it. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit. Like I think there's there's a deliberate attempt to say that. Look, this this is that we're in the realm of myth here. We're never going to find out if these people are real. Um, you know, we be we're barely even sure that we know where Troy is uh, or which Troy it was, because rather famously, a, a, a German uh, archaeologist in the in the nineteenth century discovered nine Troys all oh, wow. layered on top of each other. Um, the one that Homer was writing about is probably Troy six or seven. Um, which I just like, that's kind of timey-wimey, isn't it? It's a bit sort of all of this has happened yeah. before, all of this is going to happen again. Um, yeah, so you're, sick, the undiscovered country. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> so it's really playing with this, the whole show is playing with this question, like Doctor Who never really has again, of like, what is myth and what is history? And, you know, what What are we in here? And it's sort of weird. And are, are we the myth makers? Like that's that's made more explicit in the novel. Uh, where St Stephen actually says in the novel, like these, these heroes are the myth makers because they're not all they're cracked up to be. 
like that that Hector and that Achilles, mm-hmm. like you know they're they're going to be built up to be big heroes. But no, actually, look here are the here are the human beings that they're based on. They're not the myths. But the Doctor himself is a yeah. myth maker. Well, that's right? the thing, like the the multiple meanings certainly. But that yeah. that was always my take from it that the doctor and his companions coming in they they end up being the myth makers yes particularly the doctor obviously because he he just did, did pulls out the horse which by the way is is a bootstrap paradox is it not like yes no one ever actually comes up with the idea the doctor yes. only knows because he borrows it from homer and obviously homer only writes it down because he sees the doctor doing it and in, in the novelization, yes, yes. If, if you believe that he's, <laughs> if you believe that Homer is there, but yeah, it's it's the bootstrap paradox, which would only be explored fully and explained fully uh, with with that great line, "Google it," um, <laughs> in uh, under the lake uh, before the flood in the Capaldi era. But yeah, here it is. Here's the bootstrap paradox in, in all its glory, and I think the Doctor sort of realizes this. And it's interesting that we've we've been to the time meddler recently. Uh, he will meet the time meddler again in the next story, yep. and I kind of wish they'd they'd inserted a line about the time meddler being like, "Oh, so so you weren't meddling, eh, Doctor? Well, let's <laughs> let's talk about a certain Greek horse, shall we?" I heard about what you were up to in Troy. I'm an amateur <laughs> compared to you. Yeah, but yeah, this good. this is meddling. I mean, they even use the word meddling in the novelization just to make it clear. Like he's 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 forced to become everything that he has detested. This this is proof you can't time travel without getting involved. Well, um, one more thing I want to say about the Myth Makers is I think <laughs> it's a good episode for companions. I think even though it's Maureen O'Brien's last story, I mean she does not phone it in, and yeah. both Vicky and Stephen are given a great deal of agency in this. Mm. And Stephen gets to show an incredible amount of bravery, if you think about it. I mean, again, he's a character in a story, so, you know, not to read too much into it. But, like, he basically says, I'm going to take high personal risk here. Maybe I might get killed by Paris. I might get killed just by being captured Mm. and almost certainly going to be tortured just to get to the city and make sure uh, Vicky's okay and figure out some way to bust him out. So I, I, you almost think like, why, why isn't Vicky falling for him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which of course she did. She would have done in the original uh, outline. Yeah. 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 Which, which, uh, you know, I think part of it might've been what they mention with Troilus is age. So he's 17 mm. and he mentions, well, I'm, I'm almost that old, which suggests she's 16 or sort of younger than uh, suggests she's 16. And mm which maybe tracks a bit with the rescue. Although Maureen O'Brien was about 22, I think when this was filmed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, not unusual for, you know, 20 year olds and whatever to, to play high school students and stuff. So that's like, whatever. Uh, but maybe they were just trying to sort of get away from the age thing or avoid. Yeah. It. Yeah. Or ignore, know. ignore that fact. But I mean, it, it, you know, it is accurate that like, you know, Paris and Helen were, were really young and, you know, uh, all all of the heroes are really, really very young. Um, you know, yeah. they're kind I of heard the, people the didn't equivalent live that of long in the past. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of them did, like King Priam. Um, yeah. One one of the weird facts I picked up in the last week: Priam literally means "I am owned," uh, because he had to be bought back from from slavers in his youth. It's really fascinating. Oh, I wonder uh, if that's where "pwned" comes from. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. You sure, By the way, sure I'm, I'm going to uh, give you, uh, listeners, if you, if you are as, uh, were as clueless, are as clueless as I was last week about all of this, uh, because I, I will just say, like, I, I, I didn't know any of this before I dove into this rabbit hole. The, the best way to get the Greek myths into my head, I discovered, or the, the Greek version of, uh, of the Troy story, uh, Stephen Fry. Uh, oh, okay. the, the lovely glorious Stephen Fry did a book called Troy. It was the third in his cycle of books. He did Mythos and then Heroes and then Troy. And Troy retells the story, the whole story, not just the Iliad. Um, and uh, it's beautifully written. Obviously, I, I listened to the audio book because his voice is so perfect in narration. There's a reason why he did all the Harry Potter books. Um, you know, it's just wonderful. And his writing is perfect. He really makes it make sense <laughs> a lot more. Uh, so I recommend that. I do not recommend watching the three-hour movie of Troy with Brad Pitt as Achilles. Uh, that was a mistake. Mm. So, okay. <laughs> well, so you yeah. don't recommend based on your don't, experience. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt himself did not like that movie, and I could see do why. This, did that do that at your research, or did you had you seen it before? I'd not seen it before. No, this was part of the research. All right. And then well, I, I get to like... recommendation. <laughs> I get to like the first five minutes and I'm like, wow, it's Brian Cox playing Agamemnon. Uh, like, like basically like he played Logan Roy in succession. So I'm like, oh, I'm on board with this. And then five minutes later, naked Brad Pitt, you know, with, with two women on top of him. And you're like, really? Really? Yeah. yeah and he just sort of looks blonde and weird. And I, I don't know. Um, right. well, yeah. The question not- of Troy being a good recommendation has been answered. But there are other <laughs> questions we must answer. And those are, of course, the four questions to Doomsday. First question. Why did the randomizer take us here? Well, uh, I've, I've mentioned a lot of this already, but let, let's just go through it. So I think, first of all, the direct connection to the Ambassadors of Death is that, uh, well, there's the Morse code thing, which was in the Ambassadors of Death, was supposed to be in the Myth Makers. Right. But I think more directly, I think the randomizer is is Zeus. The randomizer is playing with us. Hmm. Uh, the randomizer is a capricious god. And one of the things this capricious god says is, oh, you wanted a break after the seven episodes of this really difficult story called the Ambassadors of Death, where it's really hard to break down the conspiracy and figure out what the actual story is? <laughs> you want a breather? Oh, no. <laughs> you are going to get the myth makers. You're going to get one of the uh, most, um, I wouldn't say adult themed, but like oh, certainly interesting. Like, one of the most yeah, interesting episodes of the Heart Layer, I would say. Very uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a lost classic, I think. Uh, a lot of people at the time, I mentioned this briefly, a lot of the people at the time in the audience research reports were like, I don't understand. What's this got to do with missions with missions to the unknown? Like right. we, we saw the Daleks were taking over the universe. Now there's Hector and Achilles. What's going on? Uh, so it was kind of disparaged at the time. And of course, people aren't really aware of it because it's missing now. But it, it really is. Uh, it's vaulted straight to the top of the, the list of missing stories where I would like to see the actual um, episodes rediscovered. Yeah. I mean, again, not to toot our own horn on this, but like, mm. I think the, our structure of just sort of randomly popping around Dr. Who gives us advantage in sort of having cold takes and what mm. kind of like what we said about flatline, um, a while back, we taking it out of the context of, uh, series eight that time, yeah. like made that shine even brighter because you didn't have all the like 
what's going on with Clara and, and do we like, or do we not without the whole impossible girl thing? And now mm. like for this one, again, like taking it, removing it from like, well, what's going on with the Daleks? And it's kind of, we're kind of going into this other darker direction. What's, what's it, you know, it's just confused and you can put all that aside and just really appreciate the story. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. But also the randomizers, like, I think, I feel like it's deliberately flying us past the massive, uh, Jupiter of, of Dalek's oh, yeah, master plan, it's like, it's right, right through the gap that we have created between, well, or that, that, you know, that did exist no, no, in the original order. It's yeah. more like, like Achilles circling Troy with, uh, <laughs> Hector, yes. uh, Hector's body behind him. The randomizer yes. is just look right there, guys. We could, we could give you a, a Dalek's master plan anytime I want. <laughs> Be kind. So and I'm glad. I'm gl- actually glad it did that. It's like I'm. I feel primed for the Daleks' master plan now. I mean, watch the randomizer take it to us. Uh, take it there. Take us there next for our hundredth story. Wouldn't that be a randomizer thing to do? Mm, uh, so I'm. I'm. But if so, uh, I'm I, that that could be the randomizer connection right there. It's just yeah. you know, it's making us aware the ran- the Daleks' master plan is still there. But I, you know I what? Like- Let, let's do it and be Greek heroes. <laughs> I like to. I like to zero in on. Um, the whole relationship between the doctor and Odysseus, which mm. is one of the more interesting ones here and in particular yeah. comes to a head in the fourth episode. And I think if you contrast the doctor and Odysseus and sort of being a reluctant ally or helper of him with his relationship with the brigadier later, which is obviously a different person, different relationship, but you think about the Pertwee doctor being older, wiser and sort of picking his allies more carefully. And I think Honestly, like I feel a little better about him almost ditching the brigadier in Spearhead from Space after yeah. after this because it's like I get it. I understand now more from the MythMakers like why you're going to be distrustful of of the military and or, mm-hmm. or people who uh, might want something from you. Uh, and and I'm not saying that like it's, it's certainly not the same. Like the brigadier, I think I think Pertwee, as he comes to know the brigadier, realizes he's motivated more by patriotism and duty, and mm. not the immoral motivations of of uh, Odysseus here. So mm. it, it's the contrast is what I'm getting at, yeah. and it's good to see sort of like that again. I think this is very formative for the Doctor. It's his, that suspicion of those sort of people in authority and watch out for their morality because. Uh, you might end up doing something you really, really regret. That's a very interesting thought. Um, it would. I am glad that the randomizer didn't give us Dalek's master plan because, of course, that would have been the connection would have been the Brigadier because that is uh, Nicholas Courtney's first story. Oh yeah, although he's not playing the Brigadier in it. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of if if this were New Who, and it does feel very New Who-ish, but it feels like you you just sort of maybe add a scene at the end as kind of a knowing winking scene. The doctor says to Odysseus, "What are you going to do now?" And hmm. Odysseus just says, "I'm going home, the long way around." <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> we're going to have to go to the next question, the short way around, uh, and that is, of course, what if the evil plot had succeeded? Yeah, and this one's an easy answer because it did. Yeah. It depends on what you pick the evil plot, but if the evil plot is to lay waste to Troy and sack the yep. city, yep. um that done. Done. Job done. I, <laughs> I suppose 
you you could argue Cassandra has an evil plot to burn the TARDIS, kill Vicky mm. and Steven, uh, mistrust be mistrustful of any gifts and destroy them, or you know, not certainly not bring them into the city. And if her evil plot succeeds, Troy stands. <laughs> Although yes. our heroes, most of them die. <laughs> uh, well, certainly not sure. die too because he I'm, wouldn't succeed yeah. in helping them. You definitely, uh, you got to wonder, uh, this plot of burning the TARDIS, which is in fact a cliffhanger. Mm. Um, uh, would that, is there any way that su- could succeed? You can't burn a TARDIS. Not according to Pertwee, at least later. I think at this mm. point, the TARDIS's indestructibility hadn't been fully established. Now it did fall mm. off a cliff in the Romans, as we saw. Yes. So it's pretty hardy. Like it, it's pretty durable. Um, but I, I think the burning, I mean, if you remember the sensorites, right? Like they, they yeah. used some heat to get rid of the lock. And, and that was a while. Yeah. That was a couple of seasons ago, but still. If if only Cassandra had known, I'd just put a very small flyer around the lock and you could just pop it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the way it goes. It's, but, uh, I think we have to assume as a, from a retcon kind of way, the burning wouldn't work. And then would yeah. they then be convinced that this is, this is from the gods, I guess. I guess so. I mean, it's it's interesting. It might, it might be even more tragic if they like believe her on the TARDIS and then don't believe her on the horse. Um, mm. That would seem to be Cassandra's ultimate ultimate tragedy there. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, you could almost say that the evil plot is the Doctor's in terms of trying to get them away from this horse notion. I mean, what if what if he actually had accidentally given them the secret of flight? And you know, invents hang gliders for them, uh, right. or something. Catapult-driven hang gliders. Yeah, <laughs> then, I feel like that can't end well, though. Like, I mean, it yeah. depends on your landing abilities as a glider. But yeah, it, it, it well, like- <laughs> well, what you might have then is Agamemnon uh, becoming the equivalent of Alexander the Great. Um, by the way. Alexander the Great, one of of the best facts I learned this week is that Alexander the Great slept with a copy of the Iliad under his pillow that was annotated by Aristotle. (laughs) I mean, whoa, right? Yeah. So he was that on eBay. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, it was in this special box, so he slept, always slept with a dagger under his pillow and a copy of the Iliad. He basically used the Iliad as, as his template for world conquest. Uh, right. and, and that's wow. how he did it. So, so Agamemnon, if he, if he'd had the power of flight, uh, you know, he, he was clearly ambitious, clearly wanted to unite all of Greece and, and, uh, and Troy and, you know, and Persia and, and, and the world. Like he, I don't think he would have stopped at Troy. Um, I think he would have become an Alexander and, and maybe, you know, the, the whole of world history would be different. Uh, maybe gone on conquering everywhere. I guess it wouldn't work because all they would have to work with was wood. And wood is probably, as I assume, it's just probably too heavy, like as opposed to sort of the alloys and plastics that we have today. For maybe, like that. maybe, but maybe somewhere in the bowels of the TARDIS, the doctor has some actual uh, light planes <laughs> that oh. you can just sort of drag out. <laughs> He's got a right. hanger in there somewhere. Well, if that doesn't, if that happens, uh, the myth isn't made, but some a different myth is made. So, Indeed, there we go. Yes, the myth of mighty Mag- Agamemnon and how he invented flight and took over the world with it. History would be quite different, uh, but it's been different uh, a couple of times, and I think <laughs> there was a, a 
point where they had to do something different in I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to ask guys, <laughs> where is the Clara Splinter? Clara Oswald, of course, splintered in time at the end of the name of the doctor. She is somewhere in every single Doctor Who story. What is she doing in the Myth Makers? Well, I think that she is, uh, she's got to be another handmaid of Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, first of all, we, we don't see Cassandra's handmaids until the last episode, apparently. And Katerina just kind of, uh, as if she's been shoved on stage, perhaps by a fellow <laughs> handmaiden, perhaps by Clara, the handmaiden. Uh, but also, I feel like like the, the one thing for the, for this story to go as it's supposed to go is you've really got to make sure that people don't believe Cassandra. So I think that uh, she's not only, Clara's not only Cassandra's handmaid, she's also her voice coach. <laughs> she's like, you know what you got to do to convince King Priam is like, just really go for the screechy voice. Yeah. Like just just uh, hector him, to, to coin a phrase. Uh, with uh, with your predictions, dig in. Yes, just completely be inflexible about your position and just exactly eat it at a louder voice. He will he will completely cave at some point. Maybe not today, yes. but eventually he will. <laughs> just keep going for ten years. <laughs> You'll get him eventually. He'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, or maybe she's the one who's like whispering in the ear of uh, Paris. When he says, "Oh, oh, I've just given," it's too late to say "woe" to the horse. Uh, <laughs> just bring it in. Maybe she's the one who's like, you know, if you make this joke, it's going to be really, really funny. Uh, oh wow! Well, he, yeah. she was probably advising the Republican candidates in the debate earlier this week too. Um, <laughs> so, I thought that you know, Troilus, he's seventeen. He's, mm. he's a man about town there in Troy. I, I got to mm-hmm. think you know, with his connections that he's got a lot of girlfriends or at least I got a lot of girls wanting to be his girlfriend. And I think perhaps, uh, Clara is keeping them away somehow. Maybe she is some kind of notorious gossip. Mm. Uh, maybe she, I I don't think she's bad mouthing him in particular, but she's for whatever reason, making sure, um, they are, you know, keeping away, keep this guy single. And, Mm. Uh, you got to make sure he he's available, and then maybe maybe she's promising we'll we'll all get in line when he's eighteen. Yeah, uh, or something maybe like maybe if Vicky is not seen as a great beauty, which is what Prime is suggesting that you know, uh, and certainly you got to you got to figure if if they've got the world's most beautiful woman, Helen, living in the city of Troy, you kind of have to up your game to be regarded as a ten. Uh, so sorry, yeah. boy, O'Brien. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's, you know, I think you're right. You know, she's, she's, uh, Clara is uh, a girlfriend for, for Troilus, but maybe she's the one who emphasizes the lesson of like, look, you, you don't go for beauty because you get someone like me who's going to break your heart. And, oh, yeah. you know, and Troilus is like, you know what I need is a nice homely girl like that Cressida. Well, my dad seems to think that, you know, she's, she's all cool and I shouldn't go for looks and, you know. Again, sorry, Maureen O'Brien. You, you're, you're great. You're a 10 with us. You're a 10 with Always us. Always a 10. Troy. Always a 10. So she's a- either doing kind of Gossip Girl or The Bachelor without The Bachelor. You know what I mean? Like she's getting <laughs> all the girls in, in Troy to kind of like fight it out. But Troy Liss is a, totally oblivious yeah. to it. 
or she's like a girlfriend that that is more like a friend with benefits so she never really fully commits she could also be the one to distract achilles i mean you you gotta wonder you know given given the all the information we have on how freaking mad achilles is at this point in the story he's just furious because he loved patroclus so much Mm. uh that he just wants to avenge and patroclus went out dressed as him so like there's all this guilt involved instead it was supposed to be achilles but he was in one of his phases of like no i don't wanna uh so patroclus went out and and fought for him that's that's how he died. Uh, so the, he's feeling really guilty. So I feel like maybe you need some explanation for why why is uh, Achilles like surprisingly calm throughout the whole of the Mythmakers? Well, maybe he's met Clara, mm. and and maybe she's also the one who distracts him um, so that Paris doesn't shoot him with an arrow, which is what happens in the in the oh. original myth. All right. Uh, it's, it's so maybe surprising and calming influence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so maybe she's just all over the place, just like whispering yeah. in whispering in the Greek hero's ears and making sure that it ends. By the way, I'm not sure if you so so when uh Vicky goes off with, with Troilus at the end, mm-hmm. uh, and Aeneas, who was briefly mentioned, that they're like, Oh, we're we're gonna go found another Troy. Uh that's a reference to Rome. Right, so that there's a whole oh, story okay. of the Aeneid is that refugees from Troy go off and found Rome, which is just wonderful. Given that Vicky's first trip in the TARDIS was to uh, Rome and the Romans, uh, right? So she's kind of looping back on herself in a very interesting, timey wimey way. Wow, they didn't show the scene where she she comes on her own grave. Yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. Would be like she, yeah, in the Romans, like she comes across a temple to. Uh, Cressida, and it's like, wow, Cressida looked a lot like me. That's interesting. (laughs) Do I really look like that? Hmm. Okay, folks, it is time to move on to the final question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for the myth makers. What did we think of this story? The Polta Open rating system, of course, has six ratings. There's the Dalek, which we'll give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which we give to a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater, which is not a great episode, but hey, at least they tried something. The Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. The Fixed Point in Time, which is a show beyond rating. And The Lady Cassandra, which is a paper-thin plot, but it looks pretty good. Hmm. What do we got here, Chris? I... I'm very surprised with, with how much I like this and how much I kept thinking about it. And I, I don't think it was just that I knew for the podcast I would do have to do the mother of all history corners, uh, you know, combined with the history is myth corner, the myth is history corner, a whole room of history and, and myth and how they interrelate. Like I, I knew that I was going to have to do that, but I didn't think it was going to be such fun to do that. And it's really because uh, the Mythmakers did it. It sucked me into this area of Greek legends that I had been avoiding. You know, mm. I think of myself as, as something of a reader, but I kind of been uh, avoiding the Iliad and like here it is, here is the Mythmakers to plunge me straight into the the uh, the new translation uh, that has just <laughs> arrived and has, by the way, a hundred page introduction that explains the entire Greek myths and background of the Iliad, and it's really really good. Uh, highly recommend book. Nice. Uh, the book, so, the new so version of it. Is it a uh, banger or just a book <sighs> you're Dalek? 
that that is that is where I am uh, dithering. I I am standing outside the temple of Doctor Who, trying to figure out what what is my offering here. Shall I shall I bring in the Viscount Bang? Or shall I just sort of you know uh, uh, bring in the the, uh, the the Dalek casing as as an offering to this temple? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, I I. Part of me wants to say banger, but I think I'm held back by the performances. Now we, we don't know like what it looked like, you know, as, as good a job as Loose Cannon has done. We don't really have a sense of what like how how, how glorious this was as a piece of visual entertainment. Um, but we do have the audio, and we know that everyone is sort of doing their classic Shakespeare voice. Uh, right, which makes it a little inaccessible, makes some of the jokes a little hard to read. You know, you can't quite push through it. Um, So I think I'm going for, I'm going for Banger Dalek Hybrid. Oh, wow. All right. Interesting. That's right. So before I go, I'm going to just, as we do sometimes, I got the old ratings here from the most recent Doctor Who magazine. Yes. Makers. This doesn't influence my rating, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already know what I'm going to give it. Uh, it is uh, 15th among the 29 stories, oh. so right about halfway down. And it's risen from its 1998 position of 22nd, and it went as high as 13th hmm. for the 2009-2014 polls and then dropped a couple ranks. That's um, just, okay, fair enough. I, Interesting. I, I think... Um, you made me appreciate it even more than I did. I was already going to give mm. it kind of a Dalek, but now I'm, uh, I'm considering a banger too, but I, I can't quite get there just mm. because of that episode four and sort of the tragedy of, uh, missing out on one, some, some of the extra referentialness and cleverness that you mentioned where if she had just sort of left with Steven and mm. you know, if they'd gone a little bolder with it and maybe even started a relationship at that point mm. and then, you know, kill her off a few episodes later in the Daleks master plan, I think that would have added a lot of weight oh to goodness, a lot of yes. the proceedings here. So big, big missed opportunity. Uh, also Katarina's tacked on. I mean, it's, you're just yeah, kind of like, totally. what, what just happened? Um, so, you know, I, but I originally kind of thought the fourth episode was a little uneven and I want, I kind of wanted it to go more full farce than getting mm-hmm. serious, but, you know, and talking out loud about sort of the formative stuff with the doctor and his morality, even though admittedly some of that's a back read, it's really, really good. I like that it got challenging mm-hmm. and not just challenging about the doctor's morality, but about, you know, what is his duty as a time traveler? Um, all of that's really, really cool. So yeah, this is definitely a, one of the more interesting Daleks of the era. Um, and you know what? I'll do it too. I'll do a Dalek banger hybrid. I, oh I, I my goodness. I want it to be, I, and it's hard to do, you know, with these ones that are lost, but like, I would say of, of the stuff that we've watched in, uh, in terms of, or quote unquote watch that are lost, uh, this would be near the top of the list with this and Marco. Oh Cole. my Yep. Goodness. Well, here we stand outside of the the Polter Open Citadel, and someone has left us a giant Dalek casing. Uh, we're going to wheel it into our city, and what comes out of the Dalek but a bunch of Viscount bangers. <laughs> That's right. Lala War's father has been cloned, and he's hiding in there, and he comes out, and he goes, surprise! And we're like, oh my god, we thought it was just a Dalek casing. 
It's fantastic. It's a double hybrid, double banger Dalek hybrid. I don't think that's ever happened before in in the history of Pull to Open. It uh, might be the first time to double it's hybrid. Sure. <laughs> it's hybrid perfect. hybrid. Hybrid, a hybrid, hybrid. That sounds like such a Greek myth. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, I mean, as forever people being hybrids of like gods uh, mating with humans, and yeah, so so a double hybrid sounds perfect for the myth makers. I love it. It seems like we should prophesy that one day this rating shall rule the world, or I don't know. Um, but so, yes, I feel well, we we have done we have done our service. We have left our sacrifices at the altar yeah. of the MythMakers. All right, folks, it is your turn to vote on what you thought about the MythMakers. If you are on Spotify, check out the poll feature in your app. Uh, you might not be able to give a hybrid rating, but you can answer the poll question <laughs> and actually put your answer in there. So, pick one of your one of our ratings: Dalek hybrid, uh, Lady Cassandra, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Surprising uh, yes. this time, right? I know. I did wonder if the if the randomizer was like trying to draw attention to the Lady Cassandra rating by giving us a Cassandra the only Cassandra story. Know. How could you ever give a Cassandra to a missing episode? That's sort of the problem, right? <laughs> this yeah. could be a Cassandra. It actually could be, given all the imagery that you kind of yeah. see in the Noah Snaps and the horse, but well, well sadly probably never know. Uh, but you can still give it a Cassandra if you have that faith, listener. So go ahead, go to your Spotify app and vote. Uh, and then uh, create a burner account, log in again, and vote for the other thing. And that's that's how you do a hybrid. That's how you do a hybrid. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, smart. <laughs> All right. Odysseus, got nothing on this brain. That's right. Okay. <laughs> the doctor, you know, the doctor's always getting around things in creative ways. So, so can you just... Burner accounts, Indeed. man. Keep voting. Vote, yes, rule, vote off. Rule, num- rule number one, the doctor votes twice. <laughs> Different accounts. All right. It is time for us to step back into our temple of Zeus and uh, wow you all by, by disappearing. Um, but first, we have to fire up our randomizer, which has two components. Pete has one of them that's Codex. We've previously mentioned it. The randomizer has now, I think, I hope, I pray, the randomizer has pointed out all of the flaws within the Codex. Uh, and we're not going to get another one. Uh, but we take, we take the total number of stories that we have yet to do in the Codex, uh, which, Pete, is how many? That number is 203. 203, which means that this will be our 100th story. Our 100th story. Our our 100th story that's coming up. Oh. I know. I, I, this it's... is going to mean some interesting challenges, perhaps. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to be doing an episode in the future where we rate our first hundred stories should we just challenge it to bring us to something with the metric system (laughs) would that be appropriate uh yeah we do like to issue challenges to the randomizer uh random.org by the way which says it it isn't pseudo random like computer algorithms it really does call upon the gods of the air of olympus and they they bring down bouncing atoms the bouncing atoms of zeus uh, the bouncing molecules in the atmosphere. That's what random.org looks for. Uh, we are really, truly in the hands of the gods here. Uh, and they are evil and capricious gods, but we do like to do sacrifices in front of the randomizer uh, in, in the hopes 
uh, that it will give us a fair outcome. So, so Pete, what's the sacrifice you've brought today? Well, what I I was thinking about, let's just give a story 100, but we've actually already done it. It's the androids of Tara. At least uh, uh, it's, not, it's not the randomizer number. That's actually a hundredth story. In the hundredth story. Yeah. Um, but that's I'm why the doctor went fishing. One hundred, divide it by ten. Come <laughs> up with ten and say, the "Hey, planet? we've done that." Well, why not give us something from Doctor Number Ten? Let's get us some pennies. Good one. I'm actually going to dovetail with that because I don't think that the randomizer could resist uh, giving us more Cassandra, as in Lady Cassandra, as in uh, let's go to an actual story with Lady Cassandra, and that gives you two two options. Randomizer. <laughs> wow. Gives you new New Earth and uh, End of the World. Playing some serious and, roulette here. Pretty okay. specific, but I just don't think you'll be able to resist the Cassandra Cassandra connection. It's a good theory. Oh, mighty randomizer. All right. All right. Well, we shared it new who, so let's see what happens. All right. I'm offering a silent prayer to Athena before I do this because I'm not sure who would be the god of the randomizer. Maybe Hermes? <laughs> uh, yeah, the trickster god. I feel like the trickster god is in charge yeah. of the randomizer, so please, mighty Hermes, messenger of the gods. Please be speedy and give us some new who, please. If they're going to be speedy, it's Mercury, isn't it? Uh, well, okay. Mercury is Hermes, yes. Uh, in uh, same name, uh, same uh, god, different names. Same god? Oh yes, man, that's right. Know. What about Loki? Mercury, god. <laughs> oh, he's a different, different uh, tradition, but uh, similar in terms of being a trickster god. Yeah, okay. uh, Mercury. Mercury is the Roman version of uh, Hermes. Oh man, uh, just as uh, Jupiter is the Roman version of Zeus. All right. So, well, yeah. Here now we we're go. out of Legends Corner. Um, <laughs> mythology yeah, corner, One of the corners. Here we go. It's time for the countdown. Back from 199. <laughs> no, wait. Let's just go right to four, three, two, one. Excellent. Our 100th story is number 32. It didn't oh, listen to me. It didn't listen it's to you. The Seeds of Death. Oh wow! We had the ambassadors of death. Now yeah. we have the seeds of death. Uh, do we have an of death bingo? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we do. No, no, we didn't do robots of death. We haven't done robots or of city death. of death. Oh, okay. So we got plenty of death still yeah. to come on pull to open. A lot of death, though. We've done death in heaven. Yeah, um, we've done the green dust, so you know we're we're pretty yeah. heavy. We are closing in on <laughs> Death Bingo, which also sounds like a great Doctor Who title. RTD callers, huh. um, and uh, we're going to Seeds of Death, which is Second Doctor, Second Doctor, yeah, Jamie and I Zoe. Know. Uh, set on London and the Moon. I, uh, it, I might have even mentioned Scenes of Death just really, really quickly in passing about alien invasions and yeah. the future version of history. That's remember my theory on Ambassadors of Death. Yeah, talking about the 21st century. After that, I That's think right. I mentioned Scenes of Death. So it, it's you up. did. The, the, the randomizer is always listening. Well, we certainly discussed the Ice Warriors. 
Uh, yes, because right. there was that whole question of ambassadors of death. Of how did they avoid the ice warriors when they landed on Mars? So we're going to get to talk about that. There's yeah. obviously a big connection between the two there. Um, yeah. So well, folks, it, we should probably wrap up this podcast because we got six episodes of Doctor Who to watch. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh, the randomizer is a capricious god. We're not at New Who yet. The last one is still Kerblam, guys. This has oh. been a legendary, mythical pull to open. It is a podcast. Please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. There's probably a little follow button in whatever app you're using. Go, uh, please share it with a friend. Please leave a review. Your app, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, can probably handle a review. You don't have to leave a long one. Just a few words will do or even a emoji title. Um, you can follow us on social media. Pull to open on TikTok and Blue Sky. Pull to open 63 on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and I'm forgetting one. Uh, yeah, but the other one. That's it. That other place you can find us. Um, Facebook. You know, it'll never be big. Uh, we're at youtube.com slash pull to open. And yeah, we are excited to come back to Earth and places around it. Yes, I do love the idea. You, you just made me think, by the way, another reason for the randomizer to bring us to uh, to uh, Mythmakers. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Legend Airy. <laughs> It has been Legend Airy, everyone. And we'll see you next week for the Seeds of Death. Okay. Woe for us. <laughs> woe. It's too late to say woe to the Seeds of Death. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya. <laughs>